While much valuable Christian literature from prior centuries has been republished in recent years, the particular Baptists have been largely ignored. Yet, their contributions in the areas of biblical exegesis, theology, history, and practical Christian living have much to offer today's church. The particular Baptists have always demonstrated a firm and faithful commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ, its proclamation to all the world, and the inspiration, inerrancy, and absolute authority of all of Scripture. We at Particular Baptist Heritage Books desire to champion this God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, word-centered legacy by producing high-quality, handcrafted, hard-cased editions of Particular Baptist works, which we hope will endure for generations to come. Particular Baptist Heritage Books is a nonprofit publishing ministry founded in connection with a local church. With the help from an advisory board consisting of Calvinistic Baptist pastors and scholars, we seek to preserve the history, theology, and relevancy of our particular Baptist forebears by publishing and promoting their most important literary works. Our mission is to glorify God and to strengthen His church by furnishing Christians with the very best of the particular Baptist literary heritage. And so we invite you, come and deepen your Baptist roots at www.particularbaptistbooks.com www.particularbaptistbooks.com You are listening to Preaching and Teaching on the Man of God Network of Podcasts. This resource combines expositional sermons and lectures from the classroom of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary to help equip listeners for the work of the ministry. Good to see all of you this evening. It was wonderful to see this week all the pictures showing up on GRBC Facebook. What wonderful memories they brought to my own heart and soul. Last week I began a short series on Lord's Day evenings to cover the transition from our present church home to our temporary meeting place at Gospel Community Church while our more permanent home is being remodeled. And after some prayer, I decided to unpack for you the three aspects of the great Trinitarian blessing found in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. I want us to make this change from this beloved uh, building and location to the other one under a sense of the unchanging Trinitarian blessing which we have in this passage. So please turn to it and follow while I read the grand blessing that it contains. Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Last time, after some words of introduction, we meditated on a what, what it might mean practically for us to take seriously allowing the love of God, the God, God the Father, to be with us all. Tonight, we continue our sacred and happy meditations as we think of what it means to have communion with the grace 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by way of introduction, I got several things to say. First of all, I want to give you the identification of my thesis this evening. My thesis for this evening's message is that this text, and in fact the entire New Testament, distinctly and especially ascribes grace to the Lord Jesus Christ and calls Christians to hold communion in a distinctive and special way with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It it ascribes grace to Christ in a way that is distinct from what we know of the grace of God, the Father, and the grace of the Holy Spirit. What are the implications of my thesis? Well, let me tell you what it does not mean, first of all. And I said this last week, but it bears repeating. Just as love is also ascribed to the Son and Spirit in the New Testament, and we saw that it's therefore not something that is exclusive to the Father, even though our text speaks of the love of the Father. So also grace is ascribed to the Father and Holy Spirit. I am not then saying that only the Lord Jesus Christ is characterized by what our text calls grace. Jude 1.4 speaks of the grace of God, referring to the Father, and both in Zechariah 12.10 and Hebrews 10.29, the Scriptures speak of the spirit of grace. So I'm not saying that there's no grace in the Father and the Holy Spirit. Please don't take me that way. But what does it mean? Well, it means that there here, a distinctive grace of the Son or Lord Jesus Christ is in view. And we must ask what it means distinctively. John Owen puts it like this. He says that the passage attributes grace to the Son eminently, but not exclusively. Thus, grace is peculiarly associated with the Son, but it's not exclusively attributed to the Son. This should be clear from the contrast of the text itself, where love is attributed to the Father, fellowship to the Holy Spirit, and grace to the Son. But it's also clear from the closest parallel to our text, which is found in 2 Corinthians 8-9, which also speaks in identical language of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There in 2 Corinthians 8-9, we read of a distinctive grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read there, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned there, there in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is a peculiar or distinctive grace. It was not the Father who became poor that he might enrich us. It was not the Spirit that became poor that he might enrich us. It was the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet he became poor that through his poverty we might become rich. This peculiar grace was distinctively that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, I know this is a little bit of a difficult thing to get your minds around, but let me see if I can illustrate it for you, always acknowledging that all my illustrations of this mysterious matter are inadequate. (sighs) My mother-in-law, Joan Huffstetler, of blessed memory, I have sometimes called a saint. 
You may have heard me do that. She was a saint. You will not take me to mean that all other Christians are not saints. No, the Bible calls all Christians saints. But when I say that Mom Hostetler was a saint, you will understand me to say that she was eminently a saint. There was something in her unusual humility and in her missionary commitment that made her a saint, not exclusively, but eminently, not solely, but distinctively. Or think of it this way. Most of you Southerners, that think you have to go even south, further south to get water that's fit to swim in, most of you Southerners would find all of the Great Lakes cold and perhaps too cold to swim in. But Lake Superior was cold in an eminent way. It was so cold that even I as a Michigander couldn't get into it over my knees and didn't want to. And so uh, it was peculiarly cold, eminently cold, even for the Great Lakes. Recently on our anniversary, Shar and I drove on the Blue Ridge Parkway in Virginia from Harrisonburg to Roanoke, or almost to Roanoke. Many roads are beautiful and scenic, but the Blue Ridge Parkway is peculiarly, distinctively, and eminently beautiful and scenic. And when our text speaks of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is saying that he is eminently gracious. the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and allowing it to be with us all under three headings. The reality of the special ascription of grace to the Lord Jesus Christ, the significance of the special ascription of grace to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the application of the special ascription of grace to the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, the reality the special ascription of grace to the Lord Jesus Christ is shown in several clear ways in the New Testament, especially if you start looking up all the texts that use the term grace. All the benedictions, and there are a number, which consist exactly in these words show the reality of it. No less than five and perhaps six times, Paul pronounces the blessing upon God's people in words which are identical to our text. Galatians 6.18, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians 4.23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 2 Thessalonians 3.18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Philemon 1.25, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And though it may be a textual variant, Romans 6, 20, 16, 24, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And I'm not counting all the places where Paul blesses people with the grace of the Lord and the grace of the Lord Jesus. But in this consistent emphasis of the Apostle Paul, I believe there is the special ascription of grace distinctively and peculiarly to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is especially 
in the close parallel passage, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, that we've already looked at, which shows the special and distinctive ascription of grace to the Lord Christ. And it should put this matter beyond doubt in our minds. So if you haven't turned there, look at that passage again. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ here is identified with what he did distinctively and peculiarly by assuming a humble human nature, becoming poor so that we might become rich through his poverty. Though the Father and the Spirit certainly cooperated in this great work, it was the work peculiarly, especially, and distinctively of the second person of the Trinity. The Father did not become man and die on the cross. Don't ever pray that way. The Spirit did not become man and die on the cross. The second person of the Trinity became a poor man, and enriched us by his work on the cross. This grace is a grace that belongs peculiarly to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, but consider secondly then the significance of the special ascription of grace to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we're asking the question, what is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? And before we can answer answer that question, the question more specifically must be asked, uh, or more generally must be asked, we must ask what the Bible means by grace generally. The truth is that grace, it's the Greek word charis, if you're interested, can have several different meanings. As John Owen says in Old Puritan English, grace is a word of various acceptations. It may mean graciousness, as when we say someone is a gracious host. It may mean a favorable attitude, as when Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It may be a sign of favor, as in someone showed me a grace or kindness. And it may refer to the exceptional effects of divine grace, as when Paul was made, he says, an apostle of Christ though all undeserving, by grace. And sometimes grace simply means thank you. Or as when Paul, as in gratitude, and it is used to mean thanks often throughout the New Testament. When Paul gives thanks to God, he's literally saying in the Greek, I give grace to God. He means thanks. Now several of these connotations of the word are probably present in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is his gracious personal character, his favorable attitude toward us, his sign of favor toward us in becoming man and dying for us. And this is an exceptional effect of divine grace. John Owen subdivides the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in two ways. He talks about his personal grace and his purchased grace. So let me open up the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, more particularly from 2 Corinthians 8 9. 
by three statements. They're like this, not merely, but also. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is not merely what he gives us, but what he did for us. His grace is not a commodity that he gives us. It is not even merely the gracious influence by which he gives us faith and a new life. His grace is, first of all, his humiliation to the death of the cross and the grave of infamy. This becoming poor so that we might become rich is his grace. That is especially and primarily his grace. To use the terminology of John Owen, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is both the grace he purchased for us on the cross, but it is also the personal grace which moved him or allowed him to do that. This personal grace so possessed him that it allowed him and moved him to become poor, that we might become rich. And this grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is not merely what he did for us, but the moral quality or virtue which enabled and moved him to do it. Though his grace is shown and partly consists in his becoming poor and suffering for us on the cross, Paul has something even more profound in mind. Paul is also asking the question, what personal quality, what attractive charm, graciousness, is revealed in this becoming poor. What kind of person does this? What is the personal quality that leads him to do something like this? Is it not the attractive personal quality of lowly and gentle condescension exhibited in his willingness to come and humble himself? Does it not display a meekness and lowliness in the heart of the Son of God? Is it not a humble submission to his Father's will that is revealed in his becoming poor and his coming to the cross when he was sent? Yes, in Christ we see the sweet and glorious subordination of a son to his Father. Christ's glory is not less than the Father's, yet the Son's glory is different than the Father's. The glory of the Father is to sustain and exemplify the majesty of the authority of the Godhead. The glory of Christ is the glory of a son who is sweetly subordinate to his Father's will and comes to fulfill it no matter what poverty, humility, and suffering it cost him. Though he was rich, he became poor. What made him do that? We can only ascribe it to a lowly and meek and gentle condescension in the heart of the Son of God. But we can also say that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did for us, is not merely what he did for us, but it is why he did it. It is why he did it. In the language of 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it is for your sake. It is for you, believer. It is for our sakes that he braved all the poverty and humiliation and suffering that assuming a human nature from Mary cost him. It is for our sakes that he suffered on the cross, 
but it is not just the quality or graciousness of sweet subordination to his Father's will that we see in the Lord Christ's works. He did it not only for his Father, he did it for us. We not only see humble submission to the Father in his coming, but we also see his yearning love for us. It was for us that he came, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. The son became a servant that we servants and sinners might become sons. But all of this brings us to ask the question, how should this grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be applied to our personal circumstances and lives? And thus we come to our third point, the application of the special ascription of grace to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we learn a number of very practical truths from our text. The first thing we learn is the order of the gospel displayed. The order of the gospel displayed. What I mean is this. If we would know the love of God the Father, we must come to it through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't this the simple truth that Jesus implied when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? This is why this grace is the first thing mentioned in this great blessing. I think it's why it comes first, because the path to the love of God, the Father, comes through, must track through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you ask me, this is why the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ comes first in the blessing of 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It is through the doorway of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we enter into living in the love of God the Father. Look at Romans 5, 5, 1 and 2 for a second, would you? Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And how is it that we know peace with God the Father? And that's who it's talking about here. It says in the original, peace with the God, reference to the Father. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ that we are introduced into the peace we have with God the Father. It is only by assurance of the love of the Father that we can be sure that everything will be okay. Sometimes I see characters and stories on TV where there's no relationship with God and Seldom a mention of God at all. They're all assuring each other all the time. Everything will be okay. It's going to be all right. That's what the popular song says. But men and women have no right, no reason to think so if they are not assured of the love of the Father. 
It is only the assurance of the love of God the Father and a place in the predestining and adopting love of the Father, which can assure us that no matter how gloomy the situation is, everything will be okay. How then can you come to be assured of the love of God the Father for you personally? That question ought to be the most important question in the world to you. That is the great question of life. How can you know that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, which cannot be broken and will be fulfilled? It is only through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must embrace the grace that has come down to us in the Lord Jesus Christ if you would ascend to the love of God the Father. The way up to the love of God the Father is the way the Trinity took down to us. The Son descended to poverty that we may rise to the riches of fellowship with the love of the Father. You must take for yourself the access into the favor of God the Father that is to be found only in he who is the way, only by embracing the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friend, humble yourself. Cry out to God to forgive your sins on the basis of the fact that though he was rich, yet for the sake of his people he became poor in order that through his poverty they might become rich. Embrace the Christ of the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, that's the order of the gospel displayed, but see, secondly, the glory of Christ exhibited. The glory of Christ exhibited. It is the peculiar glory of the Son of God that he became poor that we might become rich. He did not think a place of submission to God the Father beneath his dignity as God the Son. His meek and lowly and gentle spirit embraced it and saw it as his glory to do the will of the Father and to become the firstborn in that way among many brothers. Brothers and sisters, he did what he did because he is who he is. The glory of Christ as God the Father, sweet and obedient Son, is displayed in what he did. I say it again. He did what he did because he is who he is. What we see in the cross is who the Son of God was. And should we not love him for that? But then we see a perspective on subordination inculcated. Submission or subordination is not the expression of inferiority. It is the opportunity for glory. The Son of God was not admitting that he was inferior to God the Father when he embraced his position as the Son to the Father. Subordination and submission do not mean inferiority. No matter how many times the feminist and egalitarian say it, it does not make it true. Subordination of role is not inferiority of nature. Subordination has never meant that in eternity past, and dear woman, it does not mean that for you. We must see the lowly places we occupy, not as expressing our inferiority. We must see them as the opportunity for glory. 
That is how the Lord Christ saw his position. That is how you should see yours. Dear daughter of God, be your husband's subordinate and helper, and do not think that it makes you less than him. It just makes you different from him. It gives you the opportunity to imitate the Son of God himself in his embrace of his place in the work of redemption. A a subordinate position, and we all must apply this to ourselves because we all have subordinate positions. A subordinate position is not the expression of inferiority, but it is a place of potential glory. But then we see the wisdom of humility demonstrated. Christ took a very humble place. But I cannot quite speak of him as selfless because he saw the glory at the end of it. But his humility was this. He could see the glory and joy at the end of humility. Pride blinds men to seeing this. Pride blinds men to this and makes them unable to see the glory that awaits those who do not demand their rights, but who give them up to serve others. The great problem with pride is that it is short-sighted and stupid, even in terms of one's self-interest. Humility, meekness, a servant mentality, lowliness of mind, the embrace of a subordinate role, is not stupid or demeaning. It is wise and will eventually be exalting. How may you be guilty of the short-sightedness of pride in your life? How are you failing to see how embracing the lowly place offered you by providence or in which providence has set you How are you failing to see how embracing that lowly place is the opportunity, the opportunity for genuine and true glory? Well, these are great mysteries. I do not preach them like I wish I could. But here's my closing word. This is something of what it means to hold fellowship with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now perhaps you can see what it means practically for that grace in the language of the benediction to be with you. Oh, if the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ was with you, what would that mean? What would that entail? Let me use Owen's division between the personal and the purchased grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to share with you a closing word or two. First, may the personal grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The personal grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Think of the gentle lowliness of our Lord. You should deeply admire him for it. You should think of this as his attitude toward you. Does not not draw your heart close to him. You should carefully imitate his gentle lowliness. Think of also of the sacrificial love of our Lord. Let that sacrificial love be with you. 
Be completely assured of his depth of love for you and his commitment to you by what he did to see you in glory with him. You should be filled as well. If you were loved with such sacrificial love, you also should be filled with such sacrificial love, should you not? You should be filled with the same sacrificial spirit of love for his brothers and sisters as he was. But then think of the purchased grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the purchased grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Oh, would you please commune with and live under the mighty shadow of his purchased grace. You do not need to earn it. It's purchased. It is there for you if you will ask. Be encouraged and astounded by the redemptive condescension of the Lord for you. Be assured that by it your sins are forgiven. Be assured that his spirit is given to you. Be certain that through it the riches that he died to give you will be yours. In a word, trust him. Trust him in his work. There's a saying that I acknowledge up front sounds trite. But it did not sound trite when it came from the lips of my sainted mother-in-law. When she said it to her daughter, when she said it to other people, what I heard her say to us and others is what I want you to embrace now this evening. Here it is. You can trust the man who died for you. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you've ever let us hear, and it was grace even that that happened. You've ever let us hear of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Grant to us in every practical way that this grace might be with us all. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Preaching and Teaching, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more, visit cbtseminary.org.